0: Fun to watch. 15.
1: Respect all, fear none.
0: Into the upper deck.
1: Intensity is not a perfume.
0: Hello,
1: Utah Street.
0: 5, 4, 3,
1: 2, 1. Welcome in to the Mass and All Access Podcast Series Recaps, everybody. Your friendly neighborhood host, Bobby Blanco here. Glad to know that you are enjoying these series recaps so far. The Nationals have finished their first road trip of the season. Of course, a brutal stretch to start the 2021 campaign. After being swept in, by the Dodgers in L.A., the Nats went on to St. Louis for their uh, last three games of this road trip against Nolan Arenado and the Cardinals. Of course, their first time back at Busch Stadium since the 2019 NLCS. Let's break it down. Game 1 finally brought the Nationals roster we were expecting to see out of spring training. Before the series opener on Monday, the Nats reinstated Josh Bell, Josh Harrison, and Kyle Schwarber. They also optioned Luis Garcia and Yadiel Hernandez to the alternate training site and placed them on the taxi squad. Ryan Harper and TJ McFarlane were return to Fredericksburg. And Jonathan Lucroy was designated for assignment. For those of you sad to see Lucroy go, fear not. He can continue to accrue service time while DFA'd as he gets closer to reaching 10 years of Major League service time and the lifetime benefits that come with it. He could end up either traded, released, or outright to minder, so this might not be the last time we see him in a Nationals uniform. Unlike what we saw in L.A. when Jan Gomes and Alex Avila rejoined the team, Bell, Schwarber, and Harrison were immediately thrust into the starting lineup obviously anxious to get their season started. Bell started at first base, batting fourth behind Juan Soto. Schwarber was in left field right behind Bell, and Harrison was at second base, batting seventh. Not not surprisingly, they started off looking a little rusty at the plate. Watching on the broadcast, it looked like a timing issue, having not faced live Major League pitching in two weeks. The three of them started 0-6 for at the plate on Monday, but eventually they settled in, looking more comfortable and contributing just as the Nats had hoped. Bell, Schwarber, and Harrison combined to reach base six times while scoring two runs and driving in another in eight, a player, in eight plate appearances from the sixth inning on as they led the way for a 5-2 Nationals victory, their second of the season, of course, snapping a five-game losing streak. So how did this lineup operate fully loaded? In the top of the sixth, Schwarber hit an RBI double to right center to give the Nats the lead for good and advanced Josh Bell, who walked right in front of them, to third base. Bell would soon score on a Starling Castro sack fly. Two innings later, Bell walked again and took third on a Schwarber single, allowing for Castro to hit another RBI single to extend the lead. Harrison would follow with his first hit of the young season. In his time in the National League Central, of course, with the Cubs, Kyle Schwarber has faced the Cardinals numerous times, so he knew how they were going to attack him in this series. Before the game Monday, he said he's expecting a first-pitch curveball from the Cards, and he was absolutely right. After the game, Schwarber saying how he had to slow the game down, how much fun it was to be out there and contributing for the nationals. And of course, confirming his pregame prediction.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the first two, I felt like the ball was going to come in really, really hard and it didn't. So (laughs) I had to really slow it down. And, uh, you know, I was, I was just really excited to be out there playing for uh, playing with the boys. And, um, you know, it it was just a matter of calming myself down and not, 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 trying to do way too much it does know that you gotta trust yourself and make your decision from there
1: is that a sensation you've ever had before on opening day
0: oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. that especially that first at bat man yeah what did i tell you i told you he was gonna throw me a first pitch curveball and i knew it i'm like i i i was all excited i i didn't even see it my eyes were like Bleh! you know i didn't even see it but uh you know, it was, uh, it was definitely really fun just to, to be out there. I mean, um, I'm really excited about this team. I, I know that um, this this team's got a lot of uh, potential. And, you know, like I said, we just got to go out there and execute, and we executed today.
1: The Nats also got execution on the mound and a strong start from Eric Fetty, who bounced back after a rough season debut in last week's doubleheader against the Braves. Ferry went, Fetty went four and two-thirds innings, allowing just two hits, one run, and two walks while striking out five on 77 pitches. His fastball was consistently hitting 95 miles per hour and even topping out at 96 a few times. He was able to record four consecutive strikeouts at one point against the heart of the Cardinals lineup and even got Nolan Arenado to strike out twice in consecutive at-bats. Fetty ran into some trouble in the fifth inning, but Dave Martinez was able to call on Kyle Finnegan to put out the fire and kill the Cardinals rally, keeping the game tied at one apiece. And from that point on, the Nationals' bullpen was able to keep the Cardinals to just one run for the rest of the game. Finnegan gave up a solo home run to Yadier Molina in the sixth, but Tanner Rainey, Daniel Hudson, and Brad Hand put up scoreless innings to close out the game. Rainey did give up two hits and hand a hit and a walk to get into a jam in the ninth before recording his first save. The box score of the 5-2, Curly W, Kyle Finnegan, earned his first win of the season. John Gant took the loss for the St. Louis Cardinals. Victor Robles led off the game with a triple on the first pitch and was driven in by Juan Soto, who reached base four times Monday night with three hits and a walk, the RBI, and runs scored. Josh Bell, the hit, two walks and two runs. Schwarber two hits with the RBI double, Castro with two RBIs and a knock, Josh Harrison with a hit, Jan Gomes with two hits, and Andrew Stevenson added a pinch hit solo home run to lead off the seventh and erase Molina's homer from the previous frame. Game two was tabbed as a marquee pitching matchup between Steven Strasburg and Jack Flaherty, the first time these two have met, of course, since game three of the 2019 NLCS at Nationals Park. Strasburg, of course, went on to strike out 12 and gave up no earned run in his outing that night uh, while Jack Flaherty was tabbed for four runs and four innings. Of course, Strasburg earning one of his record five postseason wins in that NLCS start. But Tuesday night, Strasburg never got going in this one. It, w- it would be a 14-3 blowout loss for the Nationals. Entering the game, Paul Goldschmidt was only hitting 231. Hadn't homered yet this season. But he was able to change that pretty quickly. In the bottom of the first, Strasburg left a first pitch fastball over the plate that Goldie smashed for his first homer of the year, 250th of his career, and a 1 0 Cardinals lead. It was also the first run Strasburg had allowed this season, and unfortunately, that would not be his loss for the night. On the offensive side, the Nats' bats were increasing Jack Flaherty's pitch count early on, but not scoring any runs. Uh, not until the third, at least, when Victor Robles was hit by a pitch, Trey Turner grounded into a fielder's choice, forced out at second, and Juan Soto hit an RBI double to right field to tie the game at 1-1. Unfortunately, on the offensive side, that would be it until the ninth inning. Strasburg gave that run right back in the bottom of the inning uh, with a pair of two-run homers, one to Nolan Arenado and the other to Matt Carpenter, which was just his second hit of uh, of the entire season. Uh, Strasburg got even to, into even more trouble in the bottom of the fifth, loading the bases without recording an out aided by a Starling Castro error at third base. He was then replaced by Luis Avilan, who let all three base runners score and give up uh, six runs, three earned of his own, Uh, also aided by an error, this time by Juan Soto in right field. The Cardinals sent 14 batters to the plate, scoring nine runs, only five earned in the fifth inning to take a 14-1 lead. Strasburg made it through four innings plus three batters. He gave up eight hits, eight runs, only seven earned. Five walks, three strikeouts, and three home runs on 88 pitches, only 50 strikes. His fastball velocity was down the entire outing. He was averaging around 91, 92 miles per hour, dipping as low as 89 miles per hour on the fastball. For reference, it was up around 93-94 in his first start against the Braves, so that was some cause of concern uh, while watching this game. You could see it in his body language as well. He wasn't finishing his pitches. He was often tailing toward the first base side, uh, which he said after the game, uh, obviously you don't want to do. You want to be more direct towards home plate. Uh, He was occasionally moving his neck, uh, never his arm or shoulder while on the field, however, The Cardinals broadcast did show him in the tunnel, feeling his right shoulder and neck area, uh, the tunnel behind the dugout, the visitor's dugout, which is typically a private area for players um, and and hidden away from broadcast cameras. Of course, since it was, uh, since the pandemic, the massing crews aren't actually on the road. So this was a Cardinals broadcast camera that had a shot into the tunnel of the visitor's dugout uh, that showed Strasburg down there uh, massaging his arm and neck area. After the game, Davey Martinez and Steven Strasburg both had some issues with that camera having that angle and broadcasting what was going on down there.
0: No, I do not. And honestly, that's the first 1st I've heard of it was you know after the game. Um, and quite honestly, that shot shouldn't have been shown. So, I'm a little perturbed about that. That camera's not supposed to be down in that tunnel. Sure. Okay. So, obviously, you don't like that that was seen, but I mean, does that well, worry so, you at know, all? Pictures do all kinds of stuff down there. That's why it's not um, – I've seen guys stretching hamstrings. I've seen – you know, so what I do know is he never complained about, about any shoulder issues or anything. I mean, you know, with regards to that camera um, that was showing that shot, I mean, what's, what's the most perturbing part of that to you? That, that it shouldn't be there, honestly. That's, that camera is not – there's there's rules and regulations about that. It's It's not supposed to go down in the tunnel. It's not. So – I mean, it's in black and white. Well, I think it's, I think it's a joke, to be honest, that that they shoot in the tunnel because, you know, that's there's got to be some sort of safe safe place in the in the stadium. Um, I'm thirty two years thirty two years old. I've been doing this a long time, and uh, you know, there's been plenty of other uh, plenty of other starts where something's not feeling right, and you know, whether you treat yourself or you have a trainer come treat you. Um, you know, it's just a part of the business. And, uh, you know, I went out there and I gave it everything I had, uh, wasn't good enough tonight, but, um, I think there's also like, there should be, there should be some sort of privacy because I think it's just, that's people, people don't watch the games on TV to watch, you know, some sort of spy camera watching what the player doing in the
1: tunnel. Davey and Steven obviously very upset about that camera angle uh, shooting into the tunnel and rightfully so. Look, that again that is not a mass in camera. The the mass and crews are not there. I don't not entirely positive the mass and broadcast showed it. It definitely was on the Cardinals broadcast and you know in this day and age in baseball and we've heard a lot about cameras and monitors and tunnels and stuff over the past couple of years. It can never be too safe, so I do not blame Strauss or Davey at all. For being upset with that camera angle, I'm sure that'll be something that they they take up with MLB and the St. Louis Cardinals. So hopefully that gets situated and won't be an issue for further road teams uh, down the line. Uh, Regardless, though, back to Strasburg's performance. Davey attributed his struggles to poor mechanics, not any physical ailment. Uh, Strasburg echoed the same thing. Stras never said anything was feeling wrong, according to Davey Martinez. The trainers watched him all night and didn't see any red flags. Uh, Strasburg also said he didn't have his fastball command and was trying to slow down a bit in the zone, hence his lowered velocity. He had more in the tank, he says, but he could not sync up everything to throw at his usual speed. So there you go. Bad mechanics, uh, trying to slow things down on purpose, showed the, the decrease in velocity, uh, Steven Strasburg was seen at Bush Stadium the following morning throwing on the field like he normally does after a start. So that kind of just pushes the narrative again that he was not injured and uh, he was just kind of an off day. It was an off day for Steven Strasburg, um, ready to put it behind him and move on to his next start, which will be Sunday at Nationals Park against the Diamondbacks and Madison Bumgarner. Uh, As for the rest of the game, Wander Suero and Austin Voth put up scoreless innings out of the bullpen, as did infielder Hernan Perez, who pitched a scoreless eighth inning with two strikeouts. He struck most, he stuck mostly with a forcing fastball, topped around 71 miles per hour. He got his first strikeout actually with a beautiful slider to get Justin Williams chasing uh, and Davey Martinez saying after the game that their bullpen was saved thanks to Luis Avilan and Hernan Perez. Uh, because in a game like that where it's getting out of hand, it's getting a blowout. You don't want to waste too many arms. You have a day game the following more, uh, following day uh, on Wednesday and on getaway day. So Dave Martinez was very thankful for Perez and Avilan for their efforts for the team uh, and kind of wearing in this one. Alex Sevilla, actually, the catcher for this game, saying after the game that it was one of the best things he's seen in his career talking about Perez uh Striking out two and and, uh, retiring all three batters he faced in the eighth inning. The Nats did add two runs in the ninth thanks to a Josh Bell walk, Kyle Schwarber single, and Josh Harrison two-run double to make it a 14-3 final in this one. The box score, three runs, six hits, two errors for the Nats, 14 runs, 15 hits, one error for the Cards. Jack Flaherty improved to 2-0 on the season. Steven Strasburg fell to 0-1. Trey Turner scored a run with Juan Soto getting the RBI. Both were replaced late in this game when it kind of got out of hand for the Nationals, obviously for safety and precautious reasons. Uh, David Martinez not wanting to risk them playing anymore with the game well out of hand. Uh, Schwarber had two hits, a double, and a run scored. Harrison, three hits, a double, and an RBI. Game three, David Martinez switched around the lineup for Wednesday's matinee on a getaway day. Trey Turner was bumped up to the leadoff spot with Juan Soto batting second. Ryan Zimmerman batted third to give Josh Belladay off at first base. And Victor Robles was moved down to the ninth hole, uh, batting behind starter Joe Ross. The thought process was Trey Turner has good numbers against Cardinal starter Adam Wainwright in his career. Plus, when you bat Soto second, this allows him to have more of an impact on the game. And this order was something Davey mentioned a lot and messed around with a lot during spring training. Uh, It by no means was a demotion for Victor Robles, it wasn't um, a promotion for Trey Turner. It was just something he wants to mess around with and play. It's probably will not be the last time we see this lineup order. Uh, the guys were on board with it. They understood it. Um, and it just gives your best hitters the best chance to impact the game uh, more often. Um, so that's what Davey went with on Wednesday. Quick note, though, not to harp on that camera situation from Tuesday's night game too much, but at the beginning of the Wednesday's game, that mass and broadcast did show the camera by the Nationals' dugout, wrapped in towels, it seemed, so it could not rotate and show the tunnel behind the dugout. Again, don't want to harp on it. seems like it was a non-issue. It was taken care of, and we're moving on or moving forward from that. Game time. Look, you have to take advantage when you're given a base in baseball, right? The Nats did not do that Tuesday night when Nolan Arenado muffed the ground ball. Wednesday in the third inning, however, Juan Soto hits a ground ball to the shortstop spot against the shift Arenado can't field it cleanly. You have to take advantage when that happens. Arenado is a platinum glove defender, gold glove defender, one of the best third basemen we may ever see play uh, the position in this game. When he gives you an opportunity like this, you have to take advantage because he doesn't do it very often. It's so rare that he gives you a base like that. It by no means was a, a routine play by Arenado, but something we've come to expect him to make. Uh, and, and he didn't even get a throw off so when that happens you have to take advantage of it and Ryan Zimmerman did just that he had a two run home run for a 2 nothing lead
0: and Zimmerman makes a loud noise out to left center it is see you later hit either the very top of the wall or just beyond it and the Nats lead 2-0 Ryan's first homer and RBIs of the year
1: Of course, that was Zim's first home run in a game that mattered since game one of the World Series. Zimmerman's updated career numbers versus Wainwright after that homer. These two guys both debuted in 2005, both in the National League for their entire career, so they've seen a lot of each other. Zim against Adam Wainwright, 16 for 44, six doubles, four home runs, seven RBIs, and an OPS of 1151. He absolutely mashes one of the best pitchers this game has seen over the last two decades. So... It was kind of not, not really a surprise uh, when we saw Zimmerman go deep off Wainwright in this one. Then in the fifth inning, it was Juan Soto again. This guy is unbelievable, if you haven't heard so far. He can really take any pitch he sees and put it anywhere he wants in the field. It's it's really impressive. After a Trey Turner double, Soto took a 3-2 curveball low in the zone, slapped it up the middle, scoring Turner, and then advanced to third on an error in the outfield. Great battle, unreal patience by Juan Soto. Adam Wainwright's curveball is one of the best in baseball and it has been for a long time. It was perfectly placed low in the zone. And Soto just went and got it. And, and again, just showing his mastering of the strike zone, his ability to put the ball wherever he wants, Kind of go up the middle. We know how much he loves going the opposite way. Uh, it, it was a, quite an at-bat to see. And he, uh, Juan Soto was only going to get better, uh, which is a scary thought. Two batters later. Josh Harrison grinded out in that bat. He had a two-hit knock right back up the middle for a 4-0 lead. Since his 0-3 start uh, on Monday in his 2021 debut, Josh Harrison is 6-7 for with a walk, uh, and he's going to continue to play every day at second base as long as he can. Dave Martinez cannot afford to get him out of the lineup when he's hitting like this. In the top of the sixth, Juan Soto's at the plate again, this time with the bases loaded. He was able to drive in one more run for a 5-0 lead. On the mound, how about Joe Ross's start to the season? Of course, we know the time off he took last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The World Series start in place of Max Scherzer in Game 5 back in 2019, recovering from Tommy John a couple years ago. He's gone through so much over the last handful of years, and he is coming out ready to pitch. He has put up two scoreless outings now to start the season. His comeback campaign, if you will, only six hits, nine strikeouts over 11 combined innings. He goes seven scoreless in this one against the Cardinals, just giving up four hits with five strikeouts and a walk on 89 pitches. He was doing it all with a 94, 96-mile-per-hour sinker. He had heavy movement to go along with it. Uh, his slider that breaks the other way against against batters was around 86, 88-miles-per-hour. He said he felt really comfortable with that slider after the game. Uh, he, it was really working well with him. It felt like it was... Uh, it felt... Pre Tommy John surgery. So that's going back a couple of years. uh, And it showed. It looked really strong. Ross admitted that his changeup is not there yet, but he's working on it, sticking mostly with the slider and his two and four seam fastballs. And and I've said all along uh, throughout this offseason, spring training, now the beginning of this season, Joe Ross is going to be a a major key for this Nationals team. He's going to be a part of their success because he has such a ripple effect on this pitching staff. Into the bullpen, he helps out the starters. Um, You know, it helps up so much when he can go out every fifth day, give innings, give solid starts, put up zeros. It helps Scherzer, Corbin, Strasburg, uh, even John Lester when he gets back. So Joe Ross has an, a very encouraging start to this regular season. Trey Turner hit a bloop RBI double that dropped between three Cardinals in shallow left field and scored Andrew Stevenson to make it 6-0 in the eight. And that's your final for this one. The Nats win their first series of the season, record their first ever regular season shutout win in St. Louis. Checking out the box score. Six runs, no nine hits, no errors for the car, For the Nats, excuse me. Zero runs, four hits, one error for the cards. Joe Ross now 1-0 on the season. Adam Wainwright falls to 0-2. At the top of the Nats lineup, Turner had two hits, a double RBI, a run scored, and a walk. Soto, two hits, two runs, and an RBI. So, Davey Martinez's lineup changes before this one really paying off. Zimmerman, the two run homer and a walk. Josh Harrison, a two hit day with an RBI and two walks. He's on fire in terms of getting on base. Now, and like like I said, he's not coming out of this lineup anytime soon. The Nationals are very happy with what they're seeing from Josh Harrison. Even Joe Ross got a hit in this one. It was a complete day for the pitcher and the Nationals as they are now 3-6 and on the season. Heading home to more fans at Nationals Park in a four-game series against the Diamondbacks. Let's take a look at the opposite dugout. The Arizona Diamondbacks are managed by Torrey Lavello in his fifth season at the helm. They are 4-8 on the season. They finished 25-35 last year, last in the National League West, only a game behind the Rockies. They haven't been to the postseason since getting swept by the Dodgers in the 2017 NLDS. Over their last 10 games, they are 4-6. They won 2-3 against the Reds over the weekend before dropping both games of a two-game set against the A's on Monday and Tuesday. Of course, this is their first season meeting against the Nationals this year. The Diamondbacks won the regular season series four to three in 2019. Looking at the pitching probables, Thursday's April 15th starter, right-hander Merrill Kelly, will face left-hander Patrick Corbin, going against his former team. Before signing with the Nationals, 7:05 start on Masson and MLB Network out of market. Uh, on Friday night, Taylor Widener will face Max Scherzer. Widener, a right-hander, 7:05 start on Masson Saturday. Both the weekend games, both afternoon games, actually. Right-hander Luke Weaver f- facing Eric Fetty at 105 on Masson and MLB Network out of market. And then Sunday is the big matchup. Left-hander Madison Bubgarner versus right-hander Steven Strasburg, 105 p.m., on mass, and that's going to be the one to take a look at. Let's take a look inside the Diamondbacks. Something that jumps off the stat sheet right away when you look at the D-backs and as an area where you think the Nats can find some success this weekend is the strikeouts. The D-backs are right at the top of the National League in terms of striking out at the plate. And in a four-game series, when you have Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg going for you at home, you could see a lot of high strikeout numbers and not too many base runners coming from the opposing dugout. So where do those Ks come from? Well, second baseman Eduardo Escobar leads the team with four home runs, but he also leads the team with 11 strikeouts, and those two seem to go hand-in-hand hand nowadays, those two, those two statistical categories. Uh, you, you get, you hit a lot of home runs, you're going to strike out a bunch too. That's just the way it's going to go. Uh, at center fielder Tim LaCastro and first baseman Christian Walker each have 10 Ks as well, but you won't see Walker this series as he was placed on the 10-day IL with a strained right oblique on Monday. Also on the IEL is outfielder Kettle Marte, who was having a strong start to the season before going down with a strained right hamstring. Some guys that do get on base well, though, are catcher Carson Kelly, who gets on base more than half the time with as many walks as strikeouts and an OPS at 11.85. And old friend Estruba Cabrera making his return to Nationals Park as a member of the Diamondbacks, of course, have played a central part in Davey Martinez' usage off the bench and uh, with the DH in Harry Kendrick uh, in the World Series against Houston. Cabby has been solid in 10 games with the Snakes, two home runs, nine RBIs, a .273 average, 405 on base to go along with a 980 ops. On the mound, the Arizona pitching staff is one where the Nationals offense can really find some rhythm. We saw them play really well uh, in games one and three against the Cardinals. Hopefully they can carry over as they come back home, and this is a pitching staff that I think that they can take advantage of The Arizona pitching staff is in the lower fourth in the National League in ERA at an even five. Their batting average against is the highest in the National League at uh, 265. And they've allowed the second most home runs in the National League. And they're in the top third and walks in only middle of the pack in strikeouts with a pretty high whip. So the Nationals have been looking for a break in this tough part of the schedule. This is it. The Diamondbacks, again, are not a... Team that is supposed to be competitive this year. A couple years since they've been in the postseason. Sort of going through a rebuild. Sort of not. A couple of guys, key guys on the injured list. So the Nationals should be foaming at the mouth to face the Diamondbacks at home this weekend. Right-handers Merrill Kelly and Taylor Widener will each face the Nats for the first time. Game 1 starter Kelly is 0-2 with an 8-10 ERA. He got shelled in each of his first two starts, allowing three earned runs and six earned runs respectively in just a combined 10 innings. Game 2 starter, however, Widener. He put up six scoreless in his first outing and gave up just three earned runs in his second. Right-hander pitcher Luke Weaver starts Saturday. He came to the Diamondbacks in a, the Paul Goldschmidt trade back in 2018. He's only given up three runs this season. However, they were all on solo home runs, so it may be an error to look out for when they when he faces this Nationals lineup at home on Saturday. He gave up four earned runs, oh, excuse me, four runs, two earned, three and two-thirds innings in his only game against the Nats back in 2018. The headline in this series, however, is the matchup between two former World Series MVPs, Madison Bumgarner versus Steven Strasburg. Sunday afternoon, Nationals Park, Strauss trying to bounce back from a tough start in St. Louis, Mad Bum trying to bounce back from a tough start to the season, an underwhelming start to his post-Giants career. After signing a five-year, $85 million deal with Arizona in December 2019, we haven't really seen the Mad Bum we grew accustomed to in San Fran. He went just 1-4 with a 6-4-8 ERA and nine starts over his first season with the Diamondbacks last year in 2020, And this year has been downright unrecognizable for him through his first three starts. He's allowed 17 runs, at least five in each outing, not getting past the fifth inning in any of his outings. And he's now 0-2 with an ERA over 11 for Madison Bumgarner so far in his first three outings. This will be Bumgarner's first start against the Nats since August 7th, 2016. He is 3-6 and six with a two sixty eight ERA and 11 career starts. That includes the regular season and postseason against Washington. Of course, his start in Game 3 of the 2014 NLDS against the Nats was the only game in which he appeared in and the Giants lost throughout the entire postseason that year en route to their third World Series title in five seasons and a World Series MVP for Bumgarner. Out of the bullpen, their Arizona pen actually has a better, slightly better ERA than their rotation. So, I mean, once you get late in the game, the Nationals might find themselves having a little tougher time scoring some runs. It's really the starter that they, they would want to attack early in the games. Uh, but the bull, this bullpen does have a handful of guys who are posting ERAs uh, with numbers well over five and a fair amount of appearances too. So it's not like it's early in the season they don't have – uh, a good amount of appearances. I believe one guy has a ERA over ten uh, in in, a, in three or four appearances. So that's nothing to discredit. Um, though they do have some guys who are throwing pretty well. Right-hander Johan Lopez has an ERA of one hundred and eighty in five appearances. Lefty Caleb Smith one hundred and fifty in three games. Both of those guys are tied for their bullpen lead with eight strikeouts. Unfortunately, you won't see another old friend in Tyler Clippard and his goggles this weekend. He was placed on the 60 day IL before the season started with a right shoulder strain. Don't forget, Nationals Park will be at 25% capacity this weekend. Uh, a little over the 10,000 fans will be allowed uh, into the into the stadium. That's of course, doubles the 5,000 fans that were in attendance for their first home series. Hope that you get a, to attend one of those games, uh, this homestand. And for those of you who do make it out to Nats Park, make 10,000 feel like 50,000. That wraps up the Nationals' first road trip of 2021. They're coming home to face the D-backs and the Cardinals again at National's Park. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Mass and All Access podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe. On Mass in All The Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. And check out the live podcast Thursday afternoon. Myself and Amy Jennings will be on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Be sure to give us a follow at Mass Nationals. Also, Mark Zuckerman will stop by and join us for this week's episode as well. And be sure to check out his work on MassInSports.com. Give Mass Nationals a follow on all social media accounts. Next episode of our series recaps will be dropping Sunday night, Monday morning-ish, uh, recapping this D-back series and looking ahead to the rematch with the Cardinals, this time in D.C. Until then, enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you later.